Welcome back to the Wrong Opinion, Useless NBA Trivia and Garbage Rankings. If this is your first time, check out the Season 1 trailer. We are talking about the San Antonio Spurs. Since the Spurs have joined the NBA, they have a 60% winning percentage. That is the greatest of all time among all franchises. Uh, and that was the tiebreaker between them and the Bulls. Now, they've been around since 1967, and then they came into the NBA during the merger. They had a really good run during the ABA, no titles, not even any finals appearances, but a lot of playoffs. When they came into the NBA in 76-77, they were led by George Gervin, one of the most underrated players, definitely a top five shooting guard, incredible scorer of all time. And now in the George Gervin era, they never made a finals, but they made the playoffs from, 60, from 76 all the way until 83 and he made two conference finals. Uh, and then in the late 80s, there was, you know, a couple playoffs, all first round exits led by Alvin Robertson, another really underrated great player, part of that amazing 84 draft class. In 87, they had tanked the year before to get Mr. David Robinson. They had to wait a couple years because he was in the Navy, but immediately when he came to the league in the 89-90 season, they won 56 games, their most in franchise history. He made one conference finals, he got hurt in 96 and they shelved him. And in that season, Greg Popovich was hired on after 18 games. They won 20 games that season and the rights to draft Tim Duncan, their second season, second season with Tim Duncan and David Robinson, they won the NBA Finals. And since then, between Tim Duncan getting drafted until 2019, they won four more finals, five total, conference finals four extra times, and only six first round exits in 22 years. <laughs> 50 plus wins every year from 2000 to 2017, including in 2012 when there were only 66 games. Unprecedented level of greatness. Basically from 89 till 2019, one playoffs missed. Since then, they missed the playoffs the last four years. Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge came a few years before. Of course, we didn't talk about Kawhi Leonard, a really important player for that era. Did not play nearly as long as I wish he would have in San Antonio. Uh, they tried it with DeMar DeRozan, got DeJounte Murray, and now it looks like they have nothing. But then they drafted Victor Wembanyama. Of course they drafted Victor Wembanyama after getting two of the most sure thing number one picks of all time within several years of each other. They get Victor Wembanyama. Of course they do. So they had 20 years of kind of a dynasty. I consider them a dynasty. And everything around that, everything beyond that was just very, very, very good. And this is their only bad downtime right now. But no back-to-back -back titles. That kind of hurts them. 48 years in the NBA, 39 playoff appearances. <laughs> they missed nine playoffs, five of which came in the last five years, or four of which came in the last four years. That's just unbelievable. But let's get to the rankings. First team point guard. This is Tony Parker. Unfortunately, in his last season, he went to Charlotte, broke up the history of those three, really four players spending their entire career with San Antonio, which is an important thing about this franchise. A lot of guys play their entire career with this team. TP only made six All-Stars in his career. That might shock you. But what was really interesting about his career is in the 2000s, he was you know, a very important point guard, great handle, solid passer, not a great defender, but good scorer, uh, could get to the basket. He was just an impossible to stop from getting to the basket. He was small, shifty, quick, bad three-point shooter. But in the early 2010s, he peaked from 29 to 31. You don't really see that. After 10 years, when you hit 30, having your best three-season stretch, 
second team All-NBA three times in a row. Uh, he was the 07 Finals MVP. That is a little bit fishy. I mean, Tim Duncan led them the entire playoffs and then he got hot for a few games. Tony did and wins MVP, but it's fine. He averaged 25 points a game. Also that postseason, he was red hot from three, 57% shooting from three in the finals. I think he's a beneficiary of Duncan and Popovich. I don't know that he'd be a hall of famer if he didn't have those two, but I also don't think Tim Duncan would have five titles if it wasn't for Tony Parker. So it's symbiotic, it helps. First team shooting guard. Uh, people might argue Manu for this, but it's clearly George Gervin. It's not even a conversation. 12 years with San Antonio, eight of which came in the NBA four times led the league in points per game including three in a row four times in five years in 1980 27 years old 33.1 points per game he was kind of like a shorter kd and that he would put up 30 points and you just didn't even kind of notice because it's not like he ever got hot he would just get five to seven points every single quarter no matter what he didn't really do much else he wasn't a great rebounder not a good passer negligible defender got a lot of blocks when he was younger just because he was long and lanky uh, but what he could do was score the freaking basketball 10th all-time in nba points per game and among burst players second all-time in scoring if you include aba 24,000 points just narrowly cracked 20,000 in the nba by itself my favorite story i love david thompson uh 78 george gervin and david thompson were gunning for the scoring title David Thompson put up 73 points in the final game of the season to try to get the, the title. And people who were there said he wasn't even gunning for it. He was just hot. George Gervin is told he needed 59 points to win the scoring title. The Iceman scored 63. First team small forward, Kawhi Leonard. There was a point they were thinking got a little bit overrated historically and then became underrated because people were calling him a top five small forward after eight seasons in the league but just really interesting career trajectory. He was traded for George Hill after the uh, 2011 draft. First three seasons, like, we're good. He was, you know, all defensive second team in 2014. But in the 2014 playoffs, he just exploded and won finals MVP thanks to his handling of LeBron James. The next year, he won defensive player of the year, 16 points a game, not a great shooter. The following year, shot 44% from three, averaging 21 points a game. Defense player of the year again, 2017, 2017, 25 points per game. He became one of the league's best scorers. His defense started to slip a little bit, but after that, like he played eight games with the Spurs and then left. Just very, very odd career trajectory. With the Spurs, only had two All-NBA, both were first team. He was second in MVP voting in 2016, third in 2017. Probably could have won it in 2017, honestly. And he doesn't rank high in franchise history in anything, but he got them one of their titles and cemented his legacy as one of the best wing defenders of all time in those finals. So again, he had never been a great shooter until this point, which really goes to show Greg Popovich's player development skills. Uh, but in those finals, shot 58% from three, 60 from the floor, 18 points a game, along with unbelievable defense. First team power forward, Tim Duncan. I love Kobe Bryant as much as anybody. He's probably my second favorite player of all time. Uh, but for the 2000s, for that era, that is the Tim Duncan era. From 97 until 2011, made the All-Star every year, except for 99 when they didn't have one. Missed again in 2012, All-Star again in 2013, and then again in 2015. Every year from 98, rookie year, until 2005, he was 20 and 11. And then after that, it was like 19 and 10. So like, what's the difference? First team All-NBA from 98. His rookie year, first team All-NBA until 2005. And then again, a couple more times after that. Just clearly the best player in franchise history. Uh, team leader in points with 26,000. 
You got six guys with 10,000, three with 20,000. All-time leader in blocks, third in assists, sixth in steals, first by a mile in rebounds, and beyond that in NBA history. He is 16th in career points, sixth in playoff points, sixth in rebounds, third in playoff rebounds, fifth in career blocks, and first in playoff blocks. And in 2003, in the NBA Finals, he almost recorded a quadruple double. 21 points, 20 rebounds, 10 assists, eight blocks. People will go online and say that two of those blocks got robbed. I don't know, it's fishy, sometimes blocks for team blocks. But almost got a quadruple double in the finals. What more can you say? The consummate winner of the last 20 years and the greatest teammate of all time. And maybe his best series performance was in 2006 in the Western Finals. 32 points, 12 rebounds, but lost in seven because of Manu Ginobili's mistake to the Mavericks. If he got that win, they might have beat the Heat because Tim Duncan would not have choked like Dirk did and they would have had their three-peat. But alas, first team center, David Robinson, the one that started it all before Tim Duncan. A lot of flaws with David Robinson, he choked in big moments, was not a great, he was a great number one option in the regular season, but he's, if he's the best player on your team, you're not gonna win. I think the Spurs figured that out and he was a great second banana. But his numbers are just staggering because he came to the league at 24, already a fully developed adult, 24 and 12 as a rookie. 26 and 13 the next year. Uh, 94, almost 30 points a game. A similar story to George Gervin where they were racing at the end of the season, him and Shaq, to get the scoring title. Uh, Shaq had scored 32 points that night, meaning Dave Robinson needed at least 33 to get the scoring title. And so he scored 71. <laughs> that worked. One of four guys with a quadruple double, staggering block numbers. Led the league in blocks with four and a half and 92. Rebounds in 91, and of course scoring. Dave Robinson is a fantasy cheat code. Not quite a winning number one player, perfect second banana. So that's our first team, Tony Parker, George Gervin, Kawhi Leonard, Tim Duncan, David Robinson. Second team, point guard. Uh, it's getting weak because this team has so many players that played a long, long time. So it doesn't go as, as deep as you think. Uh, Avery Johnson, point guard. 10 seasons with the Spurs. Uh, not consecutively, but in 99, he was the starting point guard and team that won the finals. 10 points, 7 assists in the regular season. In the playoffs, jumped up to 13 points, 7 assists. That's important. That matters. Second all-time in Spurs assists. No all-stars, no all-NBAs, uh, but a lot of good moments, a lot of good playoff moments. Uh, 98 against the Spur, uh, against the Suns. Four-game series, he averaged 20 points a game on 65% shooting. That was Tim Duncan's rookie year. But his most important moment, of course, 99 finals, game five. Uh, it's pretty much a wrap. Nobody thought the Knicks were going to win. Uh, Knicks were an eight seed. Spurs were not. People thought the Spurs were going to win. Of course, the Knicks weren't as young as them, but they also didn't have Ewing. Uh, but game five, Avery hit a game-winning championship clinching shot. 47 seconds left. Uh, retired number. Ended up coaching the... Mavericks that beat the Spurs in the 06 playoffs. So that's kind of funny. Second team shooting guard. This is Manu Ginobili. I think even more than Tony Parker, he's a beneficiary of Tim Duncan and Popovich. But at the same time, they are also beneficiaries of him. Only two All-Stars, a couple All-NBA teams. Uh, his best year was in 2011. This was after Tim Duncan started declining, uh, before he got skinny and peaked again. And this is before Tony Parker decided to be the number one guy. Uh, Manu averaged 17 points a game, five assists. He was a uh, offensive whirlwind. His highlights are so freaking intriguing. Just to see that game that way, 
in a winning style of play. It's like Jason Williams, if Jason Williams were a winning player. A great three-point shooter, all-time leader in uh, three-pointers as well as steals for the Spurs. None of his stats are going to blow you away. And the fact that he was a sixth man for most of his career, I think honestly hurts his case because, yeah, he's the greatest sixth man of all time. But just was he not capable of playing 33 minutes a game? And maybe that's fair. Maybe they just needed a guy who could give all-out effort for 26 minutes a game. And if he played 35 minutes a game, maybe he would have been a more consistent All-NBA guy. Who really knows? Uh, 05 playoffs, he really peaked 26, uh, 23 points a game, 20, 22, and 19 in the four rounds. One of their top five players of all time and one of their even more beloved players of all time, four-time champion. These teams really set up how you want to build a franchise and you need a good scoring, passing, ball handling sixth man to do so. And he was just the best possible version of that. Maybe he could have been James Harden in a different universe. I don't really think so. Either way, second best shooting guard in franchise history. Second team, second team small forward. This is Mike Mitchell. We talked about him a little bit with Cleveland because he had a couple nice years there. But then most, most of his career came with San Antonio. Seven years, uh, left the league at 32 and played in Italy for a long, long time. No idea how well he did. Uh, but in that time, 20 points a game for his Spurs career. From 84 to 86, he averaged 23, 22, 23. Made the playoffs most of those times too. Uh, didn't go very far in the playoffs. This is this was probably the franchise's weakest point until the 2020s. But even so, they were still good. They're still making playoffs. Mike Mitchell is a, a career underrated player. He got way too many turnover turnovers, so he's a player that I probably would have hated if I was watching him because I hate those kind of guys. Uh, even so, seventh in points in Spurs history. Uh, best moment though, 93 playoffs. This is when they got to the Western Conference Finals. He was a really good second banana for George Irvin. Just a high scoring team as a one-two punch. Uh, but he scored 26 points, 10 rebounds a game in the series against the Lakers. Lost in six games to put up a fight. Seventh highest scorer in franchise history. Uh, and I looked up his Italian stats just out of curiosity. So he left the NBA in 88. In 1998, 10 years later, when he was 42 years old, led the Italian league in scoring. So there you go. Second team power forward, LaMarcus Aldridge. I feel like people forget how good he was, not just in his career, but just with the Spurs, because he was very good with Portland, yeah, but then he played six seasons in San Antonio. So nine seasons in Portland, six in San Antonio. Three all-star teams. In 2016, we forget how good that team was. I talked about with Kawhi, that's when Kawhi really became a superstar, second in MVP voting. This was also the first year they got LaMarcus Aldridge. So they gave Kawhi a, a really good second banana in Duncan's final season. Tony Parker was getting old, Manu was getting old, Tim Duncan was a shell. I don't want to say a shell because he was still incredible defensively and played a lot of minutes. They won 67 games. That's overshadowed because the Warriors won 73. But just with the Spurs, LaMarcus was third team All-NBA in 2016, second team in 2018. He was top 10 in voting shares, in MVP voting shares. His first two seasons when Kawhi was there was around 18 and eight. Then when Kawhi left, jumped up to 23 points a game. He was the second best player on a team that made the conference finals. And in franchise history, he's still 10th in points in only six years. That's pretty good. The underrated LaMarcus Aldridge. Second team center, Artis Gilmore. I talked about him last week with the Bulls, so I don't need to harp on him too much. It just is really interesting how he was the number one field goal percentage guy. And now he's like top 10, not even impressive. He was better with the Bulls, but with the Spurs, he was still uh, very relevant. His first year was his best. 
18 and 12, shooting 62%. Started to go downhill from there, but still got two All-Stars in his five years with the Spurs. He was on that 83 Western Conference Finals team. In those six games, 20 and 14. Wasn't All-NBA at all with the Spurs, but uh, it's kind of tough when you got two spots and a lot of really good centers. So I'll find with that. Still fifth all-time in Spurs blocks. So that's our second team, Avery Johnson, Manu Ginobili, Mike Mitchell, Lamar LaMarcus Aldridge, Artis Gilmore. Third team, point guard is DeJounte Murray. He is their all-time leader in triple doubles. I don't care about triple doubles. It's a little bit interesting sometimes, but he's number one with 17. Dave Robinson, number two with 14. Nobody else has more than 10. Duncan has four. Pau Gasol sneaks on here with one. <laughs> it's interesting. Uh, DeJounte Murray, though, six seasons with the Spurs. Missed one entirely with a... Uh, ACL tear. Uh, 22 though, in 2022, he burst onto the scene as one of the best point guards in the league, averaging 21 points, nine rebounds, leading the league with two steals a game. Not a great three-point shooter, a little inefficient overall. Um, but when you look at players who just improved over the course of their career, I, th I think that's a really interesting group of players. He went from three points, one assist as a rookie behind uh, an aging Tony Parker, up to eight points, three assists, missed a year, and then 11 and four, 16 and five, 21 and nine. Just that slow improvement where you're not gonna win most improved player, but over the course of a career, you are. Got one all-star shipped to Atlanta, really bad match with uh, Trey Young. I didn't love it in the first place and I feel vindicated that it's not working. Doesn't rank high in anything because he played such a short time there and was only good for the last couple years, but a legitimately really good player. Still only 26 years old and the sky is the limit. I love long lanky point guards. Second team shooting guard, Alvin Robertson. Talked about him criminally, criminally underrated. Uh, 1984 drafted in the same draft as Barkley, Stockton, MJ, Hakeem. By his second season, 1986, he was the most improved player. 17 points, five assists, six rebounds, 3.7 steals per game. That is the most ever in an NBA season. For his career, 2.7, also a record. Now steals by themselves don't mean a great defensive player, but he was a great defensive player. In 86, he won most improved player, got his only All-NBA team, and won Defensive Player of the Year. In five seasons with the Spurs, three All-Stars, and he is fourth in steals all time in five years with, with the Spurs. Ninth in assists. Uh, on a lot of All-Defensive teams, only again won All-NBA in 86. In 1986, he won Defensive Player of the Year, but was second team All-Defense. If somebody can explain that, that'd be great. Sidney Moncrief and Maurice Cheeks were the two guards above him. And two great players, great defensive players, but come on. Also rounding out that first team, Paul Pressey and Kevin McHale, and then Mark Eaton. He was on the second team with Manute Ball, Michael Cooper, Dennis Johnson, and Bill Hensley. Uh, I think he should be in the Hall of Fame. I think when you have a record that incredible, on top of really just, just good solid stats all around, I think he should be in the Hall of Fame. Good passer, good rebounder, not a great scorer but very efficient and tremendous defensive player and the best pickpocket we've ever seen. Third team, small forward. This is gonna be Sean Elliott. 12 years in the league, 11 with San Antonio. Uh, was in this, was with the Spurs for four years, went to Detroit for one year. I guess he hated it and came right back to San Antonio. Uh, two All-Stars in that time, 20 points a game in 96. For his career, 14, four and three. 
So he was a serviceable second guy behind David Robinson. And then uh, the third guy, third best player on a championship team in 1999. I'm good with that. In those playoffs, averaged 12 points a game. Didn't really show up in the finals, but all worked out. Eighth all-time in points. Did some digging. He was traded in 93 and then traded back at the end of the season. In 93, he was traded for our third team power forward, Dennis Rodman. Uh, I'm not going to spend a third Man, he's made three of he's made three of the last four all franchise teams for me. I'm not gonna spend another one talking about how overrated he is because he was absolutely incredible. Two years with San Antonio, uh, didn't score of course, but led the league both years in rebounds, 17 and 17. Uh, first round exit in 94, 95. They made the conference finals. His sixth out of nine conference finals appearances. He doesn't rank in anything. Only two years there, uh, but he was third team All NBA in '95. One of his two All NBA teams, uh, of course, defensive first team as well. Because why else are you putting him on third team if he's not gonna make the All Defensive Team? Maybe more importantly, this is when he kind of started getting that personality that made him famous. He made a promise to kill the shy imposter inside of him and be himself instead. Uh, shaved his hair. He dyed it blonde dressed like the guy from Demolition Man. He also famously called out uh, David Robinson for choking in big moments and then absolutely ripped the franchise. His apology was basically saying, I am honest and that's it. I said I wasn't gonna talk smack, but I did. Uh, third team center, going George Johnson. I think we've mentioned him a couple times here. Uh, long career, a lot of blocks in that time. Uh, led the league twice in two seasons with the Spurs. Uh, so he's on the team for 81, 82. So not his longest stint, but still two Two times leading the league in blocks, made the playoffs both times. Wasn't asked to score, so he didn't. Couldn't rebound, so he didn't. Uh, but he's a top 20 guy in career blocks in NBA history. And despite only playing there for two years, sixth in Spurs blocks. That's cool. So that's our third team, DeJounte Murray, Alvin Robertson, Sean Elliott, Dennis Rodman, George Johnson. Hardest cuts at point guard. Uh, the point guard is, is a pretty tight position. I don't think these were legitimate uh, threats. James Silas. Most of his career was with the ABA. His peak was definitely with the ABA. If we were including ABA time, he might have he might have made it. Averaged 24 points for a 76 team. And then Johnny Moore, a very underrated player, 82, led the league in assists with 9.6, nine seasons with San Antonio. A very very good point guard. I wanted to mention him. Uh, Bruce Bowen maybe could have gotten some love over Sean Elliott, lockdown defensive player. Uh, one of the dirtiest player in the league for a long stretch there. Tremendous three-point shooter, led the league in percent in 2003. He was a starter on three of the championship teams, kind of that main crux of the of the dynasty, and he was the fourth most in player in all of them, so that helps. If you guys hate my wrong opinions, tweet me at wrongopinionNBA. We're gonna be back next week talking about a one-team group. We've got only two groups left. This group is titled Hardest to Rank, because they do have a dynasty. The single dynasty isn't quite as good as the Bulls or the Spurs was, but then they also won a title in the 70s, and then even more before that. So a lot of really bad, and then some really good, and then just one unassailable era. Can you guess who that is? Till then, peace out.